Trigger warning. This podcast may contain themes of suicide, violence, and drug use. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to Tia and Rio attempt to save themselves and the world. Episode 5, Taxman, Part 2. Previously on Tia and Rio attempt to save themselves and the world, Nathaniel devises a scheme on how to make Tia and Rio even more miserable than they already are, and instructs an eager Father Paul to lay low for the time being. Tia and Kiki meet Patrick Warden, a debt collector who informs Tia she's way behind on mortgage payments and threatens that her house can be taken away. Rio and Hugh have an odd night together, causing Hugh to obsessively review his past marriage while trying to decide what he must do with Rio, fearing that they will become too attached if he doesn't end things soon. The entire walk to the Blasco Library is one of brisk pace, leaving Kiki nearly breathless as she struggles to keep up with Tia. Halfway there, Tia says, Hello, to someone, although Kiki sees that no one is in sight. Who you saying hi to? I'm way back here, case you forgot, Kiki exclaims. This remark only makes Tia walk even faster, which Kiki didn't think was possible. We're not in New York City, you know! Kiki yells from a long distance behind Tia. Tia is waiting at the entrance of the library for a very out-of-breath Kiki, who glares angrily at her best friend. (sighs) Girl, I don't know about you sometimes. Kiki says through several long wheezes. Hey, it's free exercise. Way cheaper and better than the gym. Tia fires back, anxious to get inside and start researching all the numerous concerns that currently plague her mind. What if I'm crazy? Does grief actually cause dissociation and hallucinations? What if I really am somehow destroying my current life as a way to cope? Is it possible I could do that and not even know it? Tia's mind races on while Kiki continues to stare, her face flushed with both anger and exhaustion. Who the hell said anything about going to the gym? The mall is one thing. Kiki continues on, but Tia's mind can't concentrate. There's just too many questions. Hey, I'm going to go get started. Meet you upstairs. Tia says, immediately breaking away and fleeing up the staircase that's front and center upon entering the library. Great. More exercise. Kiki huffs, making the librarian behind the counter near the front entrance give Kiki her first shh of the evening. Kiki rolls her eyes and with a very slow and reluctant stride, heads up the stairs. By the time Kiki finds Tia, she's already set herself up at a small table with a stack of books on psychology and grief. Kiki's curious, but seeing a textbook on grief paints a picture in her mind that even she isn't quite ready to fully take in. Kiki excuses herself to the bathroom, and once inside a stall, she unzips her mini backpack and pops two different pills, dry swallowing them before leaving the stall and running some water to sip on afterwards. Kiki's hands are shaky as she grabs a paper towel before heading back over to where Tia has set up shop. Tia doesn't notice Kiki's loopiness as she whizzes through page after page on the effects of grief, how grief can physically manifest itself into your life, and how dissociation is in fact a common way people initially cope with a sudden or traumatic loss in life. The more words Tia takes in, the less anxious and alone she feels. She glances up at Kiki, who's fallen asleep next to her. She smiles to herself, a sense of relief washing over her as she begins to write off all the strange occurrences over the past few days as just a dissociative state. Temporarily insane? I can handle that. It's temporary. 
but my lack of finances isn't as easy to ignore. Tia taps Kiki's shoulder, and one bloodshot eye opens to stare back at her. Huh? Kiki mumbles, still groggy. Hey, will you be alright if I go downstairs for a few minutes? I'm going to go look at the bulletin board in the front. They sometimes have job listings, and I want to see if there's anything good. Kiki mutters, Hmm, yeah, good idea. I'll be fine. Her eyes closing while she talks. Tia doesn't understand why Kiki is so tired, but after having mauled over all the books on grief, heavy fatigue is another symptom of grief, and she knows Kiki thought of Mrs. Johnson as her mother too. She gives her friend a loving pat on her upper back before hurrying off to the bulletin board at the front entrance. She scans over the different high school and middle school meetings and announcements posted. She sees a few ads for lawn care and maintenance work, and her eyes stop when she sees a job fair listing. She gets out her phone to take a picture, but she notices the date of the job fair was last weekend. Damn it. She's about to head back upstairs when she notices a listing of free movies the library is showing over the course of the summer. There's a movie showing tonight, and it's Real Genius. Tia reads that the film is followed by a Q&A with former Yale chemistry professor and current Erie entrepreneur, Matt Chen. Tia checks her phone and sees that the film is set to start in about two hours. Yes! Eager and excited at the thought of hearing from a Yale professor, let alone a chemistry professor of all subjects, makes Tia feel giddy. She loves a good comedy, but hearing the science of the film being explained afterwards? Sold. Her mind already mulling over questions to ask at the Q&A, Tia happily makes her way back up the stairs. Kiki jumps, startled by Tia's pounce as she shakes her awake to tell her about the movie this evening. What? What's happening? Are you okay? This makes Tia laugh. <laughs> I'm fine. We have a movie date tonight. Since when? Since a minute ago. Tia fills Kiki in on all the details, and the women agree to go get some food and then have their library date. Tia is ecstatic and Kiki's heart flutters like crazy with the thought of an actual date with her best friend, whom she loves so dearly. The excitement fades a little when Kiki learns it's a library showing and there's a Q&A after, but still, she wishes she had the courage to tell Tia how she felt, especially in this very moment when both women are genuinely happy and excited for something, which, admittedly, hasn't happened in a long time. Kiki keeps her feelings to herself, ashamed of thinking of her best friend in such a sexual way. Every touch from Tia sends an electric wave through Kiki, and her desires only make her retreat further inside herself and cope with her numerous uppers and downers she carries with her at all times. Unbeknownst to the two happy friends, lurking in the shadows behind several bookshelves sits a snooty blonde woman with a very obvious tanning addiction. This woman appears to be spying on the friendly duo as she discreetly snaps a few photos while they talk. While she continues to creep on them, she holds her cell phone in one hand, and her other hand gingerly caresses the golden cross necklace she so proudly sports. At Hugh's house, Rio paces back and forth in the living room, trying to process all the crazy incidences that have occurred since Monday morning. For every second she tingles with bliss, it's inevitably met with fear and uncertainty. She wants to allow Hugh to be the center focus of her mind. He makes her happy, but she can't shake the dread she feels when she thinks about the writing on the poster in her bedroom. She can't fathom the strange sleeping habits, 
and she worries that Hugh may now be in some kind of danger because of her. Then there's Anita, and Tony. Oh god. Tony. Was it great to see him get told off? Fuck yeah. Is this going to strengthen my relationship with Anita? Uh, most likely not. I should probably call Anita and explain, but what would I say? What version of the truth can I tell her? I know it wasn't Tony who left that message. At least, that's what I think the truth is. I mean, as far as I know, I'm still alive, and you can't just go to hell if you're alive, right? All that joking about hell on Earth, well, maybe there's something to that, Rio contemplates, her pacing getting faster and more aggressive with each thought. How do I make this all right? I should apologize to Anita and as much as it kills me, Tony. I should try to make dinner for Hugh tonight. Yeah, that'd be good. And I just need to keep my shit together long enough to make sure I don't need to be locked away in a loony bin because I'm almost certain I've lost my mind. Rio breaks her pacing to grab her phone off of Hugh's kitchen table, and she sees there's a missed call from Anita. Rio dials Anita's number, and after the first ring, Anita answers. My Rio, where are you? I have to talk to you about something. Anita, hey, yeah... I'm at Hugh's house right now. I was really freaked out yesterday, and I didn't want to be alone. Is everything okay? How about I come pick you up? Text me his address, and I'll be right over. Anita answers. We can go back to our place and talk. Anita adds before Rio can reply. Yeah, sure. That, that'd be great. Rio says anxiously. See you soon. Anita says with a kissing sound before hanging up. Rio texts Anita. Hugh's address, and Rio can't keep track of all the different songs that pop up in her head, each one wanting to be belted out stronger and louder than the next. Within 20 minutes, Anita pulls into Hugh's driveway. Huh, no Thunderbird today, Rio thinks. I hope I didn't ruin everything for her. Rio makes sure that Hugh's back door is locked when she leaves, and she nervously tiptoes her way to the passenger seat of Anita's old, not retro, just old, car. Hey, Anita. Rio says, getting in. As soon as she's buckled, Anita speeds off. Are you... are you mad at me? Rio asks, genuinely worried. Anita sneaks a glance at her before keeping her eyes on the road. No, of course not. I would just like to know what happened. Tony had some very colorful things to say about you, so I broke it off with him. Rio's mouth drops open. You did? Wait. When did this happen? Last night. I went back to our trailer, but you weren't home. I figured you were out somewhere, but I wanted to make sure you were okay. I know me suddenly moving out must not have been easy, Anita says with a sigh. I just... I think I didn't want to see who Tony really is. You know how love is blind. Rio lets out a nervous laugh. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. A few minutes later, the two women are pulling up to their home sweet trailer, and Rio is immediately surprised by how many of Anita's things are already back in the house. Wow, you must have been really pissed, Rio remarks. Anita plops down on the couch, and Rio follows suit. Nobody talks about my Rio in a negative way. You are the sweetest girl I've ever known, and it doesn't matter what happened. He had no right to say anything bad about you. But, Anita, I'm worried that maybe... Tony was right. I mean, I don't know exactly what he said or anything, but let's just say a lot of strange things happened to me yesterday, and Hugh wanted answers that I didn't have, so 
I may have thrown Tony under the bus. I'm, I'm so sorry. What do you mean, strange things happen to you? What's been going on? Anita asks, the worry apparent. Um, well, it's just... Yesterday, there was this customer. A priest came in, and at first, I was really scared, because I thought he was there to tell me my mom passed away or something. You know me, jumping to the worst possible conclusion. <laughs> Rio says with a forced laugh. Anyway, he just said some really unsettling things. Threatening, like he knew me, but I didn't know him. Hugh kicked him out of the store, even. He also didn't like how the guy was talking to me. That sounds very scary. Customer service jobs are not easy. Well, to add insult to injury, Hugh drove me home here, and we discovered the door was hanging wide open like somebody had broken in. Anita's eyes go wide. I went through everything, and I don't think anything was stolen. There was just... Um... Rio hesitates, not wanting to get anyone else involved in her strange drama that's been becoming her waking reality lately. What? Anita persists. Someone left me a threatening message on one of my Simon the Bomb posters. Hugh read it, and he immediately went into rage mode. And the only person I could even think of that I know who doesn't like me is Tony, but I really don't think Tony is responsible. And I feel so terrible that everything went down like it did. Rio exclaims, her breath becoming heavy as she briefs Anita. Anita positions herself right next to Rio and gives her a big hug, which Rio willingly accepts. I'm so sorry, Anita. The last thing I wanted was to ruin your relationship. I want you to be happy. And I'm happy with you. I'm glad I now know the full story, but that doesn't change my decision. Tony is too hot-headed. And possessive. Every time I had to work late, which has been becoming a, how you say, trend, it always became a fight. He was convinced I was cheating on him. He's ridiculous, and I'd much rather live here with you. Rio's heart swells. She feels bad Anita had to go through that shit with Tony, but she's glad she's getting away from him too. She never really liked him. Do you miss him at all? Hmm, not really. What about his cars? God, yes. The two women giggle. I'm just glad you're okay. Are you serious about moving back in? Anita nods. I think we should change the locks. For safety reasons? Rio suggests, and Anita instantly agrees. Good thinking. One more thing. Yeah? Could you help me cook something for Hugh tonight? I'd like to thank him and romance him. Anita laughs with glee. It'd be my pleasure. Consider it a thank you from me, too, for him taking care of you while I was with Stupid. The two women exchange a knowing wink before immediately calling a locksmith. Shortly after lunch, Hugh's music and collectibles would see a small slew of customers before dying down again for the day. Hugh is finishing up his budget plan for the next few months when he hears the chime ding on the front door. He shouts his greeting and tells the customer he'll be right with them. Just as he's hitting to save, a man in an all-black suit with a red tie and briefcase waltzes in the doorway of Hugh's office, making Hugh jump. Oh, hi there. You need help with something? Hugh asks, trying not to seem embarrassed as he stands up. Yes, my name is Patrick Warden from the Lived Collection Agency. Are you Hugh Kirby? Yeah... A collections agency? 
I wasn't aware of any outstanding debts owed. What's this in regards to? Hugh is instantly suspicious. Your store is being audited. The IRS believes your numbers are riddled with mistakes, and if we don't obtain the correct numbers, then we'll have to execute a permanent shutdown, Mr. Warden states. Are you kidding me? Mr. Warden whips out a card from his suit pocket and extends it out to Hugh. I assure you, we'll do everything we can to keep your store in business, just as long as you cooperate. I'll need to see all your tax documents for the last two years. As long as all our numbers jive, you should have nothing to worry about, Mr. Warden informs with a devious smirk. Hugh is dumbfounded. If there's nothing to worry about, why is a collections agency involved? Mr. Warden's smirk remains glued to his face as he replies, I'm here because I want to help you. The claim against you seems unfounded. Once I check your numbers, then we can hopefully go our separate ways. Please. He moves a few feet closer to Hugh and hands him his business card. Don't hesitate to call. Reluctantly, Hugh accepts the card. He glances down and sees the all-black card with bright red font and immediately notices there's no address. Is there a reason why the IRS didn't bother to notify me if there was something off with my numbers? Hugh asks, his gut telling him something isn't quite right. I can't speak for the IRS, Mr. Kirby. I'm only here to do the job I was hired to. Mr. Warden responds, There's no reason to take this so personally. Mr. Warden adds, making Hugh's face flush with anger. Funny. Didn't think I was taking it personally, but now I'm starting to think this is a personal attack on my business. I've been doing this most of my life. You have some audacity, coming here as it is, but then to throw insults my way? Did that dick Tony put you up to this? Cause this? Hugh flashes the business card. Doesn't even look like a real card to me. Who the fuck uses black with red print? It's like you're trying to intimidate me. And I got news for you, pal. I'm not buying it. Hugh says, his teeth clenched, eyebrows narrowed. Mr. Warden laughs, making Hugh's face turn a deeper red. You're a smart man, so I'm sure you did everything right. But just in case, I'll be seeing you again real soon, Mr. Warden informs before abruptly leaving, the smile never fading from his face. The Real Genius film showing at the library brings in a whole 10 people, two of which are Tia and Kiki. Tia surveys the room, often trying to see if she can pick out who Matt Chen may be. Every so often, Tia would click her pen and jot down a question on her small little notepad that she has a habit of carrying in her coat pocket. Paranoid she's making too much noise with all her writing, she scans the room again to make sure no one is glaring at her. No one notices. The only consistent sound echoing through the small viewing room is the constant laughter from a larger man in the audience and Kiki, who seems to be completely taken in by the plot of the movie. As soon as the credits roll, one of the librarians starts gathering up the projector before making their announcement. The librarian, an older woman wearing a navy blue cardigan and black pants and a set of eyeglasses that have made their home in the middle of her nose, stands in front of the projector and says, Thank you all for coming to our film showing tonight. I would also like to thank Dr. Chen for being here tonight as well, who will talk to you about some weird science and answer any questions. The librarian motions for Dr. Chen to take center stage, and she heads out, shutting the door behind her. <laughs> well, maybe someone should have told her the movie was real genius and uh, not weird science. 
Dr. Chen jokes. Tia cackles, as does the loud laughter from earlier. (laughs) Dr. Chen proceeds to talk about the real science that would go into building something similar to the laser in the film, as well as getting into a discussion on the practical engineering and chemistry that could be applied to the movie. Tia's excitement lights up the room as she and Dr. Chen go back and forth, with Tia asking the questions and Dr. Chen providing the answers. A lot of Tia's questions are then followed up with another question, and after nearly 45 minutes, the librarian pokes her head in and gives Dr. Chen a nod to wrap it up. Hey, I'm going to go talk to him real quick before we go, Tia tells Kiki, getting out of her seat. You serious? Didn't you ask the man enough questions? That was the longest Q&A I've ever been to, and I still have no idea what either of you are talking about. The movie was silly and fun. There, that was my takeaway, Kiki says before flashing Tia a friendly smile. Go get him, Kiki encourages. Tia races away, small notebook and pen in hand. Dr. Chen slaps his satchel over his shoulder, but stops when he sees Tia. Hey, my star student, Dr. Chen jokes. Tia gets it and appreciates his humor. You really know your stuff. So do you. Most of your questions my seniors wouldn't have even thought of. Dr. Chen compliments. Thank you. I have to ask. I don't mean anything bad by it. I'm just curious. You used to teach at Yale. What brings you here to Aerie? Dr. Chen nods, then makes a quick scan of the room and spots Kiki as the only one left, who looks bored out of her mind playing a game on her phone. You know, I'm glad you asked. This isn't something I'm announcing to the world right now or anything, but it would be nice to tell someone who's from here. Are you an Erie native? Why, yes. Good. Okay, so now it's my turn to ask you something. Have you been noticing anything strange occurring in this area lately? Tia's mind instantly floods with an overload of information. Her hellscape dreams, seeing dead people, her bedroom twister. It's funny you should ask. The simple answer is yes. What kind of strange occurrences are you referring to? It's hard to explain scientifically, anyway. There's just... There's been some unexplainable activity here that NASA satellites are picking up. But there's nothing we've been able to find. I'm here on my own to try and understand it. There's not really a need or any concern over it. But if it exists in data, I'm the type of person who wants to know why that is. Tia's speechless. Okay, this may be great news. Maybe I'm not completely insane. There's something happening. And maybe I'm perceiving it better because I'm from here. A change in the atmosphere or environment can cause all sorts of wonky things to happen. Should I be worried? Goodness, no. I don't think so. That's why I've set up shop here. No one at NASA nor in the government foresees any real risk, but just in case, or if that assumption changes, then I plan to be on top of it. I feel like I'm learning top secret information, Tia says with glee. Dr. Chen gives Tia an inviting smile. What is your name? I'm Tatiana Johnson, but you can call me Tia. Dr. Chen holds out his hand for a shake. Tia accepts. Dr. Matt Chen, but please, call me Matt. It's nice to meet you, Matt. Say, I don't know if you're looking for work or anything, but I could really use a lab assistant. I work out of the lab in my basement here, and I'm realizing how creepy that probably sounds, so let me explain. My wife and I have lived in Erie for about ten months, and the lab finally has everything I need in it now. The first speck of... something, whatever the satellite picked up on, first appeared here in Erie in late December of 2019. And it's still showing up on the satellites? Tia asks, concerned. Well, that's what's really bizarre about the whole thing. The government and NASA can't explain it, and whatever the satellite picks up, it isn't consistent. I'm certain they believe it's just some kind of fluke, 
And it's possible they're right, but just in case. You're here. Tia finishes. Precisely. Matt reaches into his satchel and pulls out a business card. He struggles to keep digging in his bag until Tia kindly extends her pen. It's like you read my mind, Matt says with a chuckle. He takes Tia's pen and writes down his address and phone number on the back of his white business card. It'll probably be part-time work, but it could go into full-time if we end up finding anything. Please, feel free to call me anytime. Matt puts his satchel back on and starts to leave. Matt. Tia calls out. He turns back to her. What exactly did the satellites find? What kind of strange activity has been detected? Kiki looks up from her phone to hear what's still being said between Matt and Tia. Matt glances over at Kiki, then keeps his attention on Tia. Well, like I said, it's not consistent or anything, but when whatever it is shows up on the satellite, it's comparable to a thick black fog covering all of Erie, as, as if Erie has disappeared from the Earth completely. When Hugh arrives home from work, there is a pleasant aroma ready to greet him, along with an eager Rio. Hey, how's it going? Rio gets up to pull out a chair for Hugh. Rose, what's all this? You don't cook, Hugh states with a laugh. No, I suppose I don't, but thankfully, Anita does. She moved back into our trailer, actually. It was a crazy surprise. Hmm. Did it have anything to do with her finding out what a piece of shit that guy is? Did you tell her what he did to you? Hugh asks, stretching out to try and get comfortable. Sort of. Tony said some nasty things about me to her, and she wouldn't stand for it. Course he would. Fucking asshole. Hey, forget him. I already have. Rio goes further into the kitchen and grabs two plates. I hope you like tacos. What? I love tacos, Hugh says, getting up to be beside Rio. Rose, you didn't have to do this. I didn't. It was mostly Anita, but I'm a great helper. Rio teases, moving in for a quick kiss. Hugh reciprocates, but Rio can tell his heart isn't in it. What's wrong? Oh no, it's too much, isn't it? I just, you made such an awesome breakfast in bed and I wanted to show how much it meant to me that you- Hey, whoa, Rose, calm down. This- Hugh gestures at the food, and then at Rio. It's all wonderful. You're very sweet. My mood has nothing to do with you. There was just this thing at work today that really- What thing? Rio interrupts, nervous. Oh god, is he seeing the creatures now too? Some guy from a collections agency came by, said the store's being audited. He threatened that if any numbers are wrong, the store will be forced to close. What? That's fucking bullshit! You've been doing this for- Over 20 years, Hugh fills in. Yeah, 20-some years. We don't have to worry, right? Hugh can see the anxiety clear as day all over her. He feels it, too. We should be fine, but unfortunately that means I'll have to spend tonight looking over every document for the last three years. And probably all day and night tomorrow, too. Hugh realizes with a big sigh. <sighs> fuck. This just sucks. Hey, don't think about it right now. We should eat these before they get cold. I can help you look over everything. Maybe lighten the load? Rio offers. Hugh shakes his head. Ugh, I wish you could help. Believe me, it would make everything so much easier. But it's gonna have to be me. I know what's correct and what to look for. I'll definitely need you at the store tomorrow. Possibly all day, if that's not too much. I'll be there. 
They can't take the store away. They just can't, Rio exclaims. After a brief but fairly enjoyable dinner, Rio cleans up the kitchen while Hugh gets to work on scanning over all the necessary documents. Anita picks Rio up a short time later, and Rio expresses her concern for both Hugh and the store, to which Anita reassures her that everything will work out fine. By Thursday afternoon, Rio has just finished up all her usual work duties when she knocks on Hugh's office door, begging to help him at least sort through his massive stack of paperwork. There's got to be something I can do to help, Rio says, looking over the piles and boxes currently stacked so high they're as tall as her. I appreciate the offer, Rose. I really do. I just, I have everything exactly where I know it is, and I want to keep it that way, Hugh states with clear frustration. Rio glances down at Hugh's desk and sees a distinct black card. She picks it up, the bright red lettering making her feel dizzy the more she looks at it. Is this the prick's card? Hugh nods. Rio studies it, the red on black lettering bothering her. Red and black. So far, every person who doesn't appear to be a person has had red skin and black eyes. Like demons. Hellish, freaking demons. Lived Collections Agency. Rio can feel something isn't right about this. She stares at the card for a bit longer, until the light bulb practically bursts in her head. Lived is devil, spelled backwards. Oh my... No! Hugh? Mr. Kirby? Yeah? Hugh answers, standing up and looking at the man in the doorway. Rio slowly turns around to face who she assumes is Patrick Warden, whatever he may be. Rio tries not to change her expression when she's met with fully black eyes, two large horns, and a mouth so long it extends beyond the neck of this... demon, standing in the doorway of Hugh's office. Oh, hello. You must be... Rio. She interrupts. I was going to say employee of the month, but it's good to put a name to the face, Mr. Warden states, pointing to the photo of Rio in Hugh's office that reads, employee of the month. I haven't changed that picture in almost two years. She really is my best employee, Hugh proudly informs. I should admit, I didn't expect you back so soon. I've barely finished going over everything. I'm about halfway there now. Hugh, you know what? Rio locks eyes with the demon standing before her. How would you like a tour while you wait for Hugh to finish up? <laughs> Rose, this is gonna take... Rio holds up her hand. Don't worry, Hugh, I got this. Rio continues to stare into the depths of Mr. Warden's black eyes. Uh, fine by me, Mr. Warden responds. Mr. Warden gets out of the office doorway and Rio is quickly on his tail. As she's pulling on the door, she sees Hugh giving her a What the fuck are you doing? Look, but she ignores it and slams the door shut behind her. Loudly, Rio begins with So, mister, as you can see, we have all sorts of vinyls and CDs, as well as an array of collectibles, and... The second she thinks she's far enough away from Hugh's office, Rio says, I see you for who you are, taxman. Taxman? Who said I was a taxman? I'm a debt collector, and I work for... Bullshit! You're not a debt collector. You're a demon. If you're after me, then you take me, but you leave him and the store out of this. Rio is not used to seeing emotions on anything so out of this world but she's certain she detects a tinge of surprise by her outburst. What do you mean? Of course I'm a debt collector. A regular, human debt collector. 
No. You're a fucking demon. Your eyes are black. Your skin is red, like hellish red. And you even have horns. I know debt collectors are not the greatest people, but you're not a person at all. There is a long pause as the two stare at one another. Finally, Mr. Warden leans in close to Rio. So, you don't see a human at all when you look at me. I know I didn't stutter. Mr. Warden takes a step back. Well, this is... interesting. What do you want? Because you can't have the store. Hugh hasn't done anything. You need to leave and never come back. Mr. Warden flashes a devious smirk. Oh no. So you don't see everything, do you? Your boss isn't the innocent man you think he is. He's had his foot in the door with us for a long while now. Mr. Warden laughs in Rio's face. <laughs> she shakes her head, her anger rising. But if you insist on me leaving, then I guess I will. For now, anyway. This isn't the last of me. Or your financial woes, my sweet Rio. If you can see people for who they truly are, then maybe you should reconsider how eager you are to open your legs for someone so homicidal. Mr. Warden gives Rio one final glare before turning on his heels and disappearing through the door. What the? Rio runs outside to see where Mr. Warden could have possibly gone, but she scans everywhere around the store and comes up empty. It's really like he did disappear into thin air. Shaken but slightly relieved, Rio knocks on Hugh's office door, saying, Hey, you can stop looking through all those papers. That guy wasn't legit. She opens the door all the way, and... <gasps> Hugh's intense, stunning blue eyes are now red, and his teeth appear canine in nature, all pointed and sharp, making him look like a monster. Rio screams before racing out of the store as fast as she can. The Tia and Rio Show is created, written, and produced by Callie Oberlander. Tia is performed by Julie McCormick. Rio and all other voices that are not Tia are performed by Callie Oberlander. Sound design, editing, and music are by Eric Brown. My writing continuity checkers and my biggest cheerleaders are Jules Johnson and Hilary Roback. And if you've made it this far, please remember, even in the darkest times, there is always hope. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.